Good morning, Kelly. How are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. How are you? <laughs> I can't complain. It's a beautiful day here in Virginia. Hoping to get outside and enjoy it later on. But I'm really excited to talk with you today. I had you on quite a few panels. You always provide insight. And today we're going to dive into creating a disability-friendly tap room. But I actually have a couple questions for you first. I think others might have as well. But we'll start really easy. Sure. How do you say the name of your brewery? I want to make sure we're getting this <laughs> absolutely right. And everybody who's listening can do the same. Right? Well, let me first say that we did not choose this name. It kind of chose us. Uh, it's Perky Omen Valley Brewery. Just, just like it's spelled, Perky Omen Valley Brewery. We're in Green Lane, PA. A little five-barrel system. Uh, we actually are adding on to the history of Perky Omen Valley Brewery because it was the brewery that was in our little community um, before Prohibition. So it, it functioned for uh, a few decades before Prohibition came to town and you know just, just shut her down. And they had a much bigger operation than we had. They used to actually distribute up a railroad that used to run through town. But uh, we're a little five barrel and we're just tacking on to the little history and, and hoping we Hoping we do it justice. <laughs> Very cool. Have you ever done any brewery ancestry.com where you've dove into trying to find any relatives from your past brewing pre-prohibition? Um, meaning my own my our own family or the brewery itself? The brewery itself. I have not, but you know, in my spare time, which I don't know. Right, a lot spare of. time. <laughs> It would be great. It, I do know it's interesting. I do know. So it actually sits, it sat right up the bend from us. I mean, we are literally within walking distance to it. And uh, we do believe we're using the same, we have well water here. So we believe that we're using the same aquifer that they actually used, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That is cool. Someday you might have to recreate a recipe if you could get your hands on something they brewed from nearly a hundred right. years ago. So we do have a PVB porter. It is not their recipe, but we did it because the porter was one of their uh, most famous beers. So, That's and we have, we have, look, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to, hold on. This is fun because I have to walk backwards on this thing. So everybody can be like, what is she doing? But let me see if I can actually manage to get this in here. Uh, it's kind of bright out there, but that is a whole bunch of old bottles from the original brewery that people have given to us. Oh, that's amazing. That's super neat. Yeah, it's very cool. It is very cool. Now, yeah. so when did you open the brewery? Uh, 2019, June of 2019. So we actually, in a few weeks, get to actually celebrate an anniversary because we couldn't really celebrate it last year. So um, we're starting to make plans for that, which is really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, happy early anniversary. And now I got to ask <laughs> why? What made you want to open this brewery? So, well, my husband wanted to have a brewery, which was quite a shock for me to find out about 10 years ago. And uh, so then we went on the quest of learning everything we need to learn, like, like you know, how to brew beer, because up until that point, we never even brewed beer. <laughs> um, so we married the two concepts of having a family business and I love beer. So he eventually wrote me into brewing with him. I, <laughs> of all things in 2014, I brewed with him for the very first time on Mother's Day. <laughs> so um, it's been a really 
interesting and fun ride. And honestly, it seems like we're supposed to be doing it because there's just all these benchmarks along the way that just kind of let you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is where you're supposed to be. And uh, including when we, when we got this building, we got the blueprints for the building. And this was the bank I went to with my mom as a little girl. So I was raised in this community. And, uh, and when we opened up the original blueprints, it was stamped June 25th, 1969. So I was three years old when the blueprints were stamped. And Tom and I got married on June 25th. So that's pretty wild. <laughs> and not really related, but June 25th is also my mom's birthday. So really? we don't have that significance. <laughs> so there's all these like these guideposts along the way that says, just stay the course. This is where you're supposed to be. And, uh, and we've been really enjoying it. Um, the one thing that we really wanted to do in addition to the beer end of it was anything we did we wanted to make sure it would be a comfortable place for families like ours because we have two sons that are on the autism spectrum they're 25 and soon to be 30. but when we were young parents learning the ropes of everything we needed to learn that comes along with autism um, it was not easy for us to go out um, as a family and it's very isolating when when you have something that kind of picks up your train from one track and plunks it on another track. And, uh, you know, people don't know what to say. They don't know how to interact with you. They, they aren't even sure they want to deal with all the stuff that comes with it because there, there was a lot that came with it. And uh, what we wanted to do all these years later is to be a space where families like ours at the juncture we were at particularly, we just wanted to be comfortable. We wanted it to be a place where they feel safe, that they can come to and that it's comfortable. They can grab a beer. If something happens along the way, um, they're in a space where there's gonna be people here who understand and don't, you know, there's nothing worse than having a kiddo, having a full on meltdown someplace in public and you get nothing but judgy eyes, right? And you're just the parent saying, I'm trying, I'm trying as best as I can. And um, yeah, it's tough. So we wanted to be kind of that safe haven. So we designed- It sounds like you created the taproom space almost out of necessity, in addition to, you know, obviously wanting to open a brewery. Right, right. And the necessity comes even all these decades later. So that was a challenge then. And we still have some challenges, you know, with what, you know, with especially my youngest, who he's very hypersensory sensitive. So there's still times where where the world becomes a lot for him. Um, but the other thing we needed to do was develop a space where people with disabilities could be employed. Right. So and especially like anywhere from comprehensive disabilities to ones that people might not even know a person has. Right. They're. They're just not visible disabilities and even visible disabilities. Like Jeremy is an amputee who works here. So, you know, there's things like if we are on a really bustling, super bustling day, we just need to remember that Jeremy needs to take some time on the taps and then he can take some time outside because he's super social. So he wants to be out in the mix, but being an amputee, that 
that's hard to do the whole distance on a really bustling day because you know it is physically painful for for a lot of amputees so um so we just try to be mindful of that that we divide out the day um like i always tell people they're like how do you do what you do and i'm like well you just first you have conversations second you think to yourself if this was me what would help right and what would i hope somebody would do for me if i had that kind of situation going on but for our sons uh they have significant disabilities. So there's almost an 80% uh, unemployment or underemployment rate for individuals with significant disabilities. Um, so we pretty much knew very, very early on that we were going to have to create a work environment for that. And Kelly, what were you doing prior to opening the brewery? I was a special education advocate and a parent consultant. So I would go in and I'd help other families navigate this juggernaut of which we call you know, our disability community and especially navigating the educational systems. Um, so I did that for two decades. Plus I'm a reading specialist <laughs> behind the scenes. And before you opened the tap room, had your sons worked anywhere prior? Uh, so Noah had the experience of going into some work related, um, well, not work related. They were, they were work, uh, in his high school years and we i'm just going to speak really frankly about it um all those systems kind of need are still struggling um number one to get out there and find employers who will participate with it um number two um sometimes because schools have their own legalese they uh, are not comfortable with sending students into a work environment without having, especially somebody with a significant disability, um, having somebody like basically right on their elbow, like a support person, which doesn't always necessarily foster like a realistic work environment, right? So for instance, Noah had one time where he was in a borough uh, where he was doing a lot of filing and catching them up on filing. And the person who was from the school attached to his elbow was like making him say hi to every single person um, when he came into work, which is not what any of us do. Like any of us just walk in and go, hey, or hey, how you doing? Like a big broad based, but she was having him go to every single desk. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how it goes. Like you have to try to keep it real. So that was difficult. And then he was doing a really great job filing. And then they, he and his assistant got into some type of kerfluffle. I was pulled in to find out what was going on. And here she was saying uh, they were having an argument over how things were filed. And the short answer was no, it was right. <laughs> she, was, she was not right. <laughs> and uh, so it, but the biggest deal at the end of it all is rarely do those kinds of work assignments end up being employment. They're usually told to do it on a quote unquote voluntary basis. And my biggest beef is um, it's never voluntary if you're assigned it, right? Um, I'm just going to use some well, more importantly, if he's doing a task that someone else would have to get paid for, that's exactly. very frustrating that he was expected to do it for essentially free. Exactly. And their argument was, well, he's gaining experience. And I'm like, other people his age work 
and get paid and gain experience all at the same time. And so it, it's a faulty system because what happens then is employers will know that there's another kiddo waiting in the wings for free to plug his file. And so I think it's really a, a discussion that is long overdue in coming that you get paid for your work, period, end of story. Well, and that's another conversation piece that kind of relates to the beer industry, because in the beer industry, so many people are, are expected to almost intern under a brewer, you know, clean the mash ton, mop the floors, because you're having the opportunity to gain experience. But if yeah, that intern I, wasn't mopping your floors, you'd be paying someone to do those dirty jobs. Right. And name me any other industry that does that or, or is allowed to do that, right? So yeah, those are some really hard, I, I get that it was a standard, but sometimes you have to look at those standards that existed before and ask, should we, just because we can, should we be doing this? You know, so those are the conversations. So anybody who comes in here to work, they get paid. That's my, that, 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 that is my foot down. I, yeah, like I, I, share that we have a young man who actually does some of our labels and he did not um actually want to show you one of his labels because i have it i have it right here let me see if i can pick her pick her up so let me do it this way this is hard <laughs> right there that's his artwork right? oh my gosh that's great it's gorgeous so he's done a couple labels for us and he, the first time I paid him in cash uh, because I had it on my hand. And then the second time I wrote a check for him, and I took notice he didn't deposit it. I said, Gage, did you not deposit my check? And he's like, no. And I said, why? And he's like, well, because when I was in school, they had me go work and they, and they never paid me. I feel bad taking your money. And I'm like, I'm the one who asked you to do this, right? I said, Gage, deposit the check or I'm never going to ask you to do another label for me again. <laughs> I'm like, you get paid for your work here. But what was more upsetting to me is that was his takeaway. That's what he learned in school. And that's such a bad lesson, right? Like your time is valuable, Gage. I asked you to do this. I'm paying you to do it. And I'm paying you what I pay wow. everybody else to do because you do incredible artwork. I can't do that. <laughs> well, that label looks fantastic, Kelly. Yeah. How many employees with disability do you, disabilities do you have on your team? So right now we have eight people on our team and one, two, three, over half of them have disabilities. So now I have questions for you because I, I love what you've created and you're only five hours away. So I hope to someday visit your brewery before too long. But so but talk about the experience working at your brewery. How do you make it accessible to them? So for our staff, uh, actually for my boys, I'm going to turn around here and you'll see our little five barrel brew house. Um, and for anyone who might be listening on Spotify after the fact, we definitely recommend you checking out the YouTube video on Crappy Professionals YouTube as well. All right. So on, if you can see in that little corner with that blue screen, that actually is our control panel. 
it's a touch control panel. It, it actually shows our tanks and is really super user-friendly and easy to use. The other thing that we have done is our hoses, our brew house is all apart right now because I was actually brewing yesterday, so I'm still in the process of cleaning up and reattaching. But our brew house, all our hoses, so our different kettles are color-coded different ways. So our hot liquor tank has a blue band on it, our mash tun has a green band on it, and our boil kettle has a red band on it. And then our hoses, we have those correlating uh, color bands on it so you know how to attach it. It just makes it easier. Here's the thing, a big takeaway for people for making plans and putting in structures that actually help somebody with a disability, often it ends up helping everybody, right? So it just, it's like, wow, why didn't I do this like five years ago? <laughs> so think about, think about automatic door openers, which we have one of, I'm gonna walk over this way. Uh, think about automatic door openers, right? How many times do all of us use an automatic door opener? So you'll see that we're lucky we have, we have double doors coming on into our place. Those double doors did exist uh, because it was a bank. Um, the double doors did exist. They did not exist like that. We made them full glass so people could fully see inside and outside and somebody on the other side of the door. They are operated by a push button or you can manually push them open yourselves. One thing we made sure that we did for anybody who comes in here is we drop the sill down so there's no bump, like little ridge to get up and over. Um, so we wanted to make sure that going back to my employees, we make sure, I'm gonna walk over this way. I'm gonna go behind our bar and try to get a full behind bar. See how wide it is? We intentionally did that. We made it extra wide. So whether people needed the room, uh, not just physically needed the room, but if they also just kind of emotionally need more space, you know, like we, we call it the hula hoop, uh, which is your personal space thing. Like if you put your arms out and your hula hoop, like some people's hula hoops are bigger than other people's hula hoops, right? <laughs> well, it sounds like you were preparing for social distancing even before we knew what COVID was. Oh man, I'll tell you what, people were asking me all the time, like, how you doing? I'm like, we've been training for this our whole life. <laughs> yeah, the other thing I did, this is not just for our staff, but it would definitely start with a voice. I don't know if you can see this. Our taps are all numbered. See that? Now, to me, it's just brilliant. We did that intentionally for Noah and Jonah uh, that the beers would be numbered because we found out when we did that before we even had our brewery and we were going out to beer, like beer festivals, people were, we, we just were observed that we numbered them for Noah. So that helped him memorize which beers were which. Um, but what ended up happening was people were ordering, I'll take a two, I'll take a four, I'll take a, and it made it faster and it made it easier for everybody involved. And that numbering system is super great for flights because there are so many times you go into other breweries and they're writing out the whole, you know, the whole entire name of the beer. And all we do is put them in cupcake tins and we have those actual cupcake holders and we put one, two, five, seven. 
right? And then we have the menus on the table where people can cross-reference what they are. Makes it faster for us, it makes it easier for them because now they're not trying to translate somebody else's handwriting either. So, yeah. Do you so, consistently keep the same tap numbers, the same beers or try your best to? Oh no, we're changing them all the time, which is, uh, which is, uh, that's a challenge for us, <laughs> especially, especially going into it when we realize, man, we must have had that, that beer on a different tap hand. Cause when we know the beer comes in and it's on a different tap, we're like, that must've been on seven before, because I just like pour to seven and that is not that beer. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever have customers or your, yeah, come in and try to order by number versus the name? Everybody does. Almost everybody. It is rare that somebody will say the name. They'll read the name and they like the story of the beer, but ultimately they order by the number. And, uh, and I think it's just because it's easier and our point of sale. So we our point of sale, the same thing we had it, you know, we can have picture support in our point of sale and we can have the number support. So again, it just makes it easier and more helpful for all of us. The easier part and the quicker part, like the less brain, so here comes my advocacy hat, like the teaching people, your brain only has so much energy to use, right? So if you're in an environment and it's busy and it's bustling, you are going to look for the easiest way to do something because it takes less energy to do it. So having those numbers there, people are like, and not only that, but they can look at me from like across the room and hold up the finger, like, like two, you know, and I know they, they want another, they want another beer and it was number two. So it's super, it's super great. It's one of the best things that we did. <laughs> the other thing I think for our employees, oh, one of the things that we do for our employees and going into the hiring season, um, we look for different ways we can interview people if they need different ways to interview, right? So we're not just going to lock in a standardized kind of an interview process. So if somebody needs um, a little bit more time in the environment to get used to it before you go into the interview process, if they want a tour of it first, um, if, if they're more hands-on, we'll try to figure out how to do something that's more hands-on. Um, we just we try to be flexible. We, I, Tom and I always look at doing this brewery as if you were planning a big Thanksgiving dinner and you're inviting all different kinds of guests, right? You're going to think about those individual guests and you're going to think about what do they need. So one of the things in that, that we promote is, uh, is the idea of, I think there's a lot of talk about what diversity is. Right. And, you beat me to it. Yeah. Right. And there's there's tons of talk about it, which is wonderful. I'm super, super excited. It's about time. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm here to always politely knock on the door while we're talking about this. Let's make sure we include people with disabilities because of, often enough they're forgotten in the mix. But if if we're really talking about it, we need to remember to be inclusive when when we're trying to be inclusive. So there's diversity is to me is just the straight, the straight up facts, right? There is diversity. It's not something you can argue about. It's not something diversity is just a fact. You know, you come into the world born one way. 
I come into the world born another way, knowing Jonah come born in another way. You know, it's, it's just, we're diverse. And, uh, but then you get into having some discussions about it. Okay, so what does that mean? And, and what are we going to do? So there's the whole equity factor. And I think sometimes people get equity like really mixed up, right? Because we want it to be matchy matchy, right? We want it to be like, if you get a glass of beer, then everybody else gets that same glass of beer. But that's not, that's not equity. What equity really is, is, is giving people what they need and what they want, right? So that's going to be different for, for, for all kinds of differences. So it's really like, to me, the nuts and bolts of meeting somebody where they're at. What do they need? In this, like in our brewery, what, what might this person need? What might that person need? So it might be something as basic as I'm gonna go around again. And yeah, I'm gonna try to get over here to show some different seating. We have, ah, there we go. We have different styles of seating. We're not matchy-matchy. We have all different kinds of chairs. We have benches. We have over, over here, my, you'll see our bar. Can you see that? Our bar has two different heights, right? So when you wheel on into the door, you actually have a choice of where you want to sit and what kind of seating you want to sit on, right? Because that is going to be a different preference and or need for anybody. And the reason we did two different heights and bars was I wanted to give people with wheels the chance to sit at a bar. They get a choice to sit there, right? Just like everybody else gets a choice to sit at the bar. So that is what, that's one of our, and that, that really cool front. So like I said, we used to be a bank. Those are all the teller lines that used to be their cabinetry that was behind the teller system. And then let's see. see Do they still words? open up? No, because we had the bar <laughs> behind it. So we had to make them non-functional. Then the chandeliers were actually their chandeliers, but I just like made them like really cool, but primed them up and uh, we hung the teller keys up in the chandeliers. <laughs> and one of the things I want to show is like, look at this. So, so here's, here's, Here's our little brewery, right? One thing that I really wanted to showcase and almost did it too well <laughs> is that you can have an inclusive space and you can still do your aesthetic at the same time, right? It does not have to look like a hospital because I think that's what everybody is afraid of is like, oh, it's gonna look really stark and it's gonna re really look, and we are not, like people come in here, they don't even know some of the things that we did because they just think it's a cool space. So we made, you can't really tell, you kind of can tell, our ceiling is blue for a calming effect, right? Yet we want it to make it look like you're kind of walking, you're kind of outside even when you're in. So this little room over here, which is super cool, that's, that's our sensory room. So, that's the one that everybody hears like, what is your sensory room? Let's go over and take a look. Yeah, let, let's take a look because I've heard the term sensory room before, but you know, I'll be honest, I would love to look inside and learn more about it. Right. So mind you, it has more stuff in here pre-COVID than it does now. 
but I don't even know if you can, here's me, here's my voice out here. And when I come in here, it gets a little quieter. And that's because our flooring has cork underneath it to absorb some of the sound, right? And then we just have right now, usually we have soft seating in here, but we can't do it right now, COVID times. Um, we have, it's just really cool kind of openness. So you can, you can still feel part, you have the window that you can see, uh, you can see everything that's going on out in the brewery and still be part of it. Over here, this is our little like book nook where you can like sit in there. There's a fish tank beside there. Um, if you see that little fox, like right beside them are noise canceling headphones. So if somebody has that kind of hearing sense or sensitivity, um, we have the headphones right here that they can use. We have different kinds of seating. Oh, I had to find them. Somebody was playing with them. Hold on, let me go down, going down, going down. We have these guys where they're bumpy on one side and flat on the other side but they're filled with air. So if you have like a kiddo who has a wiggly butt or even an adult who has a wiggly butt, they can sit on that in a chair and it kind of like just has a calming effect for some people. And then this bin, let's see, see that ice chest? Mm -hmm. Pretty soon, pretty soon hopefully, we'll be able to fill that back up. Usually I have something in there that is, uh, sensory regulating like maybe it's a bunch of beans in there and they can play and stick their hands in there or maybe it's some fluffy stuff you know that they can just put their hands in there and sink their hands into it to just um just give them that little bit of calming calming time so we made sure that even this door <clears throat> all our doors we chose to go about two to three inches wider than ada because ADA, when they are, um, when somebody using a wheelchair goes through, ADA is like almost 30 years old, right? Not almost, it's 30 years old. And, and things have changed since then, right? So the wheelchairs are more comfortable and they're more sizable now. And so if somebody is going through a doorway with old ADA standards, they're still scraping their knuckles against, against that width of the door. So we actively chose to make sure that all our space, including in between our tables. So we have pretty wide space in between. Ah, I'm in the way, sorry. <laughs> so in between our tables, we have ample room to move around. Somebody said, when are you putting the rest of your tables in your, in your tap room? I'm like, these are all our tables. <laughs> and that's intentional. Um, and that is so if somebody comes in and they happen to use wheels, whether it's a wheelchair or a walker, um, they can move around without constantly having to ask somebody else, you know, could you please excuse me? Could you please excuse me? So we just try to make it really comfortable space for everyone. In, in and Kelly, design. one term that I've heard before is universal design. What yes. exactly does universal design mean? So if any businesses out there or any other brewery, please look it up when you're doing your design aesthetics. Universal design really just means taking a look at a space and seeing how that space can meet somebody's needs, right? It is not the other way around. 
So you're basically taking a space and morphing the space to meet your community's needs versus the other way around, coming some, someone coming into your space and then having to morph into somebody different to be in that space. So I always said, for us going out as a family, it's like suddenly my kids had to become very much less autistic than they were, right? For, I don't know, whatever period of time we were supposed to be in that, in that area. That is so stressful because you are just, you're on pins and needles the entire time rather than having a space that has already planned for you before you even got here that considered you worth it to make the plans for them. So for me being inclusive, it's a practice. It's an act because you can think about it all day long, right? Like, you can be like, oh, yeah, or this person should do that, or they should do this. And it became, it's here, we have an opportunity, what can we do to be inclusive? One in four people in your community have a disability. 80% of people with disabilities, you're not going to be able to see their disability, right? So when people think, well, I don't have any people like that in my community. Yes, you do. You cannot possibly be the only community that does not have individuals with disabilities. You just can't. One in four. Tom and I firmly believe it's the right thing to do. But if we have to meet you where you're at and we're just going to be talking nuts and bolts business, that's also a lot of revenue to leave on the opposite side of your door, right? So one in four, but there's a whole bunch of people that love that one person. And they're going to see that you made an effort for them. And they're going to tell somebody else. And they're going to tell somebody else. And they're going to tell somebody else. And the reason they're telling somebody else is because it doesn't exist in them, right? So now you become, it was, it was really moving to me. I promise I'm not going to cry, even though I feel like I'm going to. Um, our you last, got this. Our last maker's market that we have outside, we just started, it was only our second month. And it's, it's a busy day. There is a lot of people from the community coming here. And every time I turned around, I saw a family like ours. Every single time. And I was like, yes, yes, that is, that is why. That is exactly why we're here. Not that we don't love everybody else. We do, we do, don't, that, don't. Don't, don't get any ideas about that, but, uh, but it just is, this is what we set out to do. We, we want to be a community and we want to be in the community. Kelly, I absolutely love what you created and how welcoming it is and the extra steps you've obviously taken. It's, it's so beautiful to see right now. And obviously, there's a lot of word of mouth going on right now. Just like you mentioned, someone's going to tell their friends, they're going to tell their family, it's going to spread in the community what you have created and how it's so inclusive. But do you incorporate any of this in your marketing? Or how do you let people know prior to them even visiting or hearing from someone else that you exist and that you're there providing this experience for all? So, well, I have to work on my webpage. 
and you know, if anybody's out there that is really good at working on a web page, <laughs> I had to work on that because I think that it relays a lot of information right there. And people still go to people's web pages. Um, but I, first and foremost, we are just bold with our story on social media, right? So we, we are just out there and that is purposeful too, um, because we're going to share our journey and it lets people know why we exist, how we're doing it. It's going to show people that we, we're just like you and we have some really bad days and some things that don't go great because we want to be authentic, but we're going to be boldly authentic and put ourselves out there. And the reason we're doing that is so other people can be bold with their stories as well, right? No more hiding in, in, in the corners. Like I'll never forget Tom and I getting married and my mom's one of her best friends coming, Melanie used a wheelchair and she came into the church, which was the church her, her husband used to be the pastor at. And uh, I, tell her, oh, we saved a spot for you. And mind you, it was only halfway up, halfway up the aisle, right? It's not like I was putting her front and center. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'll stay back here in the corner because that's how she's been treated the whole entire time. In the back, in the corner, quote unquote, out of the way. And so I think by us sharing our story boldly, all the aspects of it, it helps other people be bold, whether it's sharing their story or them developing a business or just just being, oh, I'm not the only one. No, you're not the only one. And uh, so really social media is, is the biggest way that we go about doing it. And doing presentations like this. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> no, you're welcome. I thank you for sharing. And you mentioned that one in four people have a disability and 80% of those, you know, it's not a visible disability that we notice. So my question for you is, I mean, obviously you will still get the people who say no one in my community has this, but for people who want to make a difference, provide a more welcoming establishment, what are some small steps they can do to be better? I mean, just like we have so many okay. conversations about diversity these days, making more inclusive environments, there is, as we talk about, there's not the checklist you're going to go to and be like, ta-da, we're finally there. It's not going to happen. And just like you've done, it's a way of life. But what are some small things people can do to improve? Well, I think, first of all, recognizing that you want to do it, right? So maybe you never thought of it before. Like, maybe this is brand new and you never thought of it before. So just start dabbling around. Google is your friend. Look up universal design. Is there things that you can do in your space? If not immediately, like soon, that would make it more inclusive. Um, making your people in the community know that that is one of your goals, like a primary goal. So <laughs> what we get, this is great. What we get, we made it such a primary goal that we often get, oh, and your beer's good too. <laughs> it's like, well, eventually, hopefully this won't be like such a thing that is, uh, such an anomaly, like such a, such a, like, you know, just this mysterious thing that only happens every so often that we're going to have to stand just on the beer alone, right? <laughs> that's, that's the big goal. But um, so yeah, getting your feet wet in it, uh, like 
reaching out to your own local disability communities because they do exist. Facebook is great for tracking those kinds of things down in your own community um, because there's lots of there's lots of groups in, in your area. I don't inundate and flood schools asking them about it because they're usually so already inundated and flooded with things. And honestly, families are usually, I'm kind of partial, but families are the way to go because they're the ones who actually are really, really in the know and actually, actually won't have as many layers of filters on them about what to say, what not to say. <laughs> we don't come very polished, right? We're just going to be like, you want to know? We're, we're going to lay it on you. Um, one of the other big things, I'm going to just pick it up. You're going to see it backwards because I'm holding, well, maybe not. No, we're not. Look at that. You are not going to see it backwards. This is one of our menus. This, uh, this font is dyslexic font. Uh, it is, it is dyslexic friendly. So three in 20 people have some form of reading challenge whether significant or not quite as significant. Um, but three in 20, that's a lot of people, right? So can you do something with your font? If you, so we actually have a license to use this font, um, but if you're not using dyslexia specific font, font, there's other types of fonts that are easier to read. Verdana is one of them, Tahoma, the one that most businesses do not want to use, which is Comic Sans, because they think it looks too childish. By far, Comic Sans is the easiest one to read. You can do a, a lot of times having a 12 point or higher size on the font makes it easier for people to read. And why am I driving home this point so much? Because if people can't read your menu, you're either going to be explaining the menu to them all the time, or they might just not order, period, right? The font on the menu is such a simple thing any business can do. You could turn it around literally in 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, so simple, right? So, and it's a thing that is just so under addressed in marketing. Um, same thing on the cans, like, I love can art as much as I love art, right? But I love it as much as anybody else. But did you ever walk into a place where it's just a sea of cans and art and you're just like, uh, yeah, I do not have the time to sit here and peel off of all of these off the shelf to see, first of all, what is it? Can, can I even read what the beer is, right? Sometimes it's so lost in all the squiggles, it's like you can barely even read it. So there are some people who will buy beer just for the can art, but there's others that are searching for what's inside the can. And if you make it too hard for them to understand what's inside the can, they, they just might not buy it. Oops, did I lose you? No, you're still there, Kelly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that to me, to me, that is an easy, easy thing. Um, the other things that that we do, this is funny, people, only people, mind you, only people who are in the know of all the different accommodations and modifications you can make for people to make them comfortable. 
I have a few friends who came out and said, leave it to you, Kelly, to get a double toilet paper roll holder in each bathroom and you have one over and one under. <laughs> and I said, that's right. <laughs> You're gonna please everyone with that one. I was like, so, so I think just making your space warm and welcoming when a person comes in, uh, take their lead, right? So that's an easy training thing. If a person comes in with a disability and you recognize the person has a disability, do what you can to take their lead and try to figure out what, how they need you to be with them, right? So I had, I had- And Kelly, before you go into that, what are tips for recognizing someone who may have a disability that way we approach them the correct way? Well, so obviously the easy one is if somebody rolls in with a wheelchair, number one, uh, don't lean on their wheelchair. Like that is actually part of who they are. Um, if you see somebody who may be visually impaired come walking into your space, you can come up and, and greet them uh, sooner if you can. And you can say, would you like some assistance finding, finding your way in the brewery? They'll let you know whether or not they need it. Um, if they do, I was just taught because I asked somebody, I said, how do you do that? Because I, I don't know kind of like that social etiquette for, for low vision or no vision. And they said, oh, you, you gently um, like put your arm against their arm and then you slowly move your hand up to their elbow. Um, because like sometimes people will just like grab them and they're like, that's really off-putting when somebody, obviously that would be off-putting as soon as they said it. It's like, yeah, no brainer, right? <laughs> A little bit. Those are, those are the things. So like developing those kinds of relationships with people where you can just say, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Right. And then they can take the lead. So we have now the couple comes in quite frequently um, they are, he has low hearing and she is, she's completely deaf. And the first thing I did was we do have a mask that has the clear, uh, we have them hanging up over here. Let's see. We have, so if they do lip reading, they can see it. So I offered that, but that was not their preference. Instead, he had an app, and it's called Otter. Um, and like O-T-T-E-R? O-T-T-E-R, yep. And it was, it's a phenomenal app for uh, speech to text. Incredible, through masks and everything. So I immediately downloaded it because I want our staff to have that available because we have somebody who has that need. Excuse me one second. And that's my doorbell, so I can, I can know somebody's at the door. But yeah, so we have, yeah, so we have, we have that kind of thing. I'm getting like a little I'm bit of like feedback. I don't hear it. Okay, I'll good. Good. I'm fine with it, but I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> Yes, so we, that's the biggest thing is taking the lead and actually just trying to build those, build those bridges, build that communication, uh, build the communication with your community and, uh, you know, put it out there on your social media when you're ready to put it out there. 
Like, don't be inauthentic about it. Don't just look at it, look at it like a cash grab because we'll notice that right away. <laughs> right? Right? No, Kelly, you built your brewery just to become the best place your sons could work and spend time at, but you also built it for your community as well. And it's been really neat to see it today. But is there anything that surprised you along the way? Or is there anything that you've learned? That I that is a great question. First of all, not having enough time to like really reflect in the rear rear view mirror. Um, I, I knew that people would be, I really thought in my gut that people would embrace it, right? I didn't think that people were not going to come here because, oh, that brewery is doing that. No, I'm not going there. Um, I think I am floored with, I mean, nothing. I'm genuinely floored with how fast the brewery became a community. It became not just a place that brews beer, it became a community. It became the place that people want to go to. It became the place where people felt comfortable telling their story, right? So I had a woman at Christmas time, and she's so funny, she's like, here, take all my money. <laughs> take all your money but she she tipped she tipped our staff very generously and uh and then followed up with she says i want you to have it because i even broached her ted i said this is this this is this is much and she says i want you to stay here she goes do you know that your place is the only place i can go and not have an anxiety attack so but at the same time she is sitting amongst a number of other people who don't have those needs, right? So to me, that's what it's about. We get to be our authentic selves with our other community members and enjoy a beer together. It really is that simple, right? You want to belong in your community. So what I do think I am surprised with how fast that that came to be because we will have people say it feels like you've been here forever and and i agree with them it does like but really in june it's only going to be two years so so it's it's cool it's it's a really feel good feel like when you set out to do something and you're like oh my gosh it's actually happening <laughs> no, I love it. Have you had people you've met over time who've traveled a distance to come experience your tap room? Yeah. Yep. People coming from out of state. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yep. that is really, it's extraordinary. Hand, right. So uh, did you see that hardship? It's extraordinary on one hand. So you feel so proud, right? Like, yay. But at the same time, I, I have that dagger moment, like you shouldn't have to travel this far, right? So it's like that double, it's that double. And that's really just what Tom and I are really trying to hopefully spur, not just conversation. It's okay if we're gonna have a conversation about it. It's great if we're having conversations about it. That's where it starts. But now let's develop action plans to actually make it happen. Right. So, and I just want to float this out there to anybody watching is 
ping us, ping Tom and I at PerkiumValleyBrewery.com. So Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, Tom, T-O-M, um, Kelly at PerkiumValleyBrewery.com or Tom at PerkiumValleyBrewery.com. We'd love to just sit and chat with you and, and let's come up with ways like that we can help you make your place more accessible. And that doesn't just go for people with breweries. That goes any business, right? Or even your home or even like, hey, I have, you know, somebody in my family was newly diagnosed. What can I do to help them feel not so alone and lost? So Kelly, this is obviously a work in progress for you. I know you're always going to continue making it even more welcoming, but what's next on your to-do list? Is there any goals you have for yourself in the brewery? Uh, well, to get ahead of this brewing curve would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, and our busy brewing season and not just brewing season, but, um, our foraging season is right up on us. So, we're going to continue like having community events where people actually go out and forage ingredients with us. Um, Cause that's really cool. We're right next to the park. That's super cool. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, so right now, so we are right next to green lane park and that is the County park and it has a really nice trail system and it even has camping grounds. And you can go kayaking up there. It's really cool. It's a beautiful, beautiful park. Has Frisbee golf. That's brand new. <laughs> they just put a Frisbee course in. Um, so we just, we have running groups that meet here on Thursday nights. And my son said, and that's all it takes. Since he's like, he wanted to get, start meeting more people. That is the first time in his 25 years that he has wanted to do that. So I suggested, I said, well, what do you think about a walking group? And so he was in for that. So we just started a walking group, um, which is super cool. So we meet at the park and the, and the runners meet here. And then we kind of cross each other in, the, <laughs> in our pads. Um, it's great for him because it's not hyper social, right? You get to do something and, you know, chime in every once in a while. But uh, so we're doing things like that. We just want to continue expanding on our events because we find that our community loves that and kind of needs that. We don't have a lot of that in our community. Um, as far as making our space more accessible, um, there are there are a few things that I would still, I'm still working on trying to come up with a way that I can bring the sound down a little bit more in here. It's still a little too clamory for, for my liking. Um, so we, we definitely want to do that. Um, we definitely want more and more people to know about the one thing that I'm super proud of and didn't talk about yet is uh, that we have, let me do it this way. We have a fully inclusive bathroom. So we want more people to know about that. Um, people, we were actually asked, have anybody ever used that? And I'm like, yeah, not that it's any of your business, but yes. <laughs> but uh, we have this uh, fully inclusive bathroom because some people have those needs and we really, really, really want other businesses to consider doing that. Um, 
and especially businesses that bring people together for events because there's more people than you know that have that kind of need. It should be discreet as it is discreet. Our, our toileting is discreet with us, right? You know, but that doesn't exist in many places. Very, very few places. Even places you would expect it to exist, it doesn't exist. And sometimes when it exists, like I remember one of the, uh, a place, a, a very big aquarium was very happy that they put one, mind you, one in their space. And it's a big aquarium. And they put it all the way on the bottom floor. And I'm like, well, what the heck? Like, it's, like, I don't mean to be rude, but really? <laughs> You could manage to put one on every floor. Like you're, you're doing kind of all right. Like, so it's these kinds of conversations to have that, that people who have this need should have a place where, where that can happen. They shouldn't have to go to their car. They shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to leave fun because they have toileting needs. So these are conversations that we want to continue to have in our little space. Um, we also have uh, two other bathrooms in the back um what i love about it is having the conversations that people are like oh well can i use that bathroom of course you can use that bathroom right the only time we ask that any of our spaces that uh so like our our lower side of the bar um the only time we would ask somebody it to maybe consider moving is if somebody rolled in here and might really need that space and to me, that's just a measure of being a community member, right? You're going to work together to, to figure something out. We had a music event outside. It was great. This was amazing. I was, I was just pretty struck with the fact that somebody who comes here to the brewery knows enough about the brewery that he came in and he said, listen, I'm here with a couple friends and you know, we're having a great time out there and we were thinking about having a cigar. Can we do that outside? And he thought enough about us and the intention of this brewery that he asked. So I thanked him for it. I said, thank you for asking. I said, listen, I said, I don't have a problem with it, but please ask the people around you because you never know if somebody has asthma around you, right? So just at, like be a community member and ask. That's great and, advice. And to me, and to me, I think that's what I want to continue expanding on because look how far it's come in two years. So imagine where it can go in two more years. Right. And I really want it to not just, Oh, that's really cool. It's happening at parking on Valley brewery. That's great. I want it to expand here too, but I don't want it to stop at our parking lot. Right. I want it to, I want it to go. I want it. I want it to go. I want it to spread. I want it to grow. And so I'm hoping that other breweries will ping us and say, help us make it happen. That's where I hope it goes. I love the awareness and action that you're, you're doing, Kelly. It's absolutely beautiful. And we, we had a question as we wind down, you mentioned briefly about, you know, outdoor spaces. Are there any other tips you can give for any other brewery owner looking to make their outdoor space more accessible? Uh, so one of the things we did was, uh, now mind you, we, it was a bank, so it came with a really nice parking lot <laughs> to begin with, but we had our parking lot 
uh, reassessed to see if we could get an additional handicapped parking spot in there, and particularly one that is for ramps that for vans that with ramps that go out the side. So the person has access to being able to do that. Um, so that was one thing. So this technically we only were required to have two spaces, but we were able to maintain two spaces and put that additional space on. Whenever we do an event, it doesn't always happen. We really, really try to make this happen and it, we've gotten better at it is anytime we have like a food truck or something like that, we make sure that the trucks do not park in those spaces because sometimes those spaces are looking at, looked at as prime, <laughs> as prime space for something like that. So that is not the purpose of them. So we are going to make sure that those spaces stay free and clear. And uh, we just, the training, the training piece is if you see somebody who you think has something a little different, you just welcome them just like you welcome everybody else, right? So you, you make sure that, you know, not only do they have beers, but you go up and you hold a conversation with them. Yep. And Kelly, as we wind down, are there any other resources besides obviously reaching out to you, which I hope people take advantage of your offer, where, where people can learn more? Sure. So really, um, you mean as far as disabilities and access, like looking up, looking up universal design is like the easiest thing you can do. So uh, as far as space. If you want to know about, oh, here's another thing before I forget. Any of these build outs, here's a little known secret, including the fact that I did not know about them until after the fact. There's tax credits for some build outs that you can do to make your, your place uh, more disability friendly. Um, so there's that. You can look under, you can look under uh, American with Disabilities Act you can anything you want to learn about if you want to learn about like how can i be more accessible to an individual with dyslexia that's what you type in google <laughs> and you and you just start reading up on different different ideas that you might not have considered before um again networking in your own local community which i think is a big deal networking in your own community to say hey are there any parent groups in your local community? Um, are there any disability related groups in your community that you can reach out to and just say, hey, can 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 I meet with you? I'll bring the beer and uh, and and let's chat. So like one of the things I'm I'm deep in it, right? So you know I'm deep in I've been deep in it. Um, but even when we were building out, there's certain things like that bathroom I just showed you, people are like, oh, so your sons have that need? I'm like, no, not at all. Um, but other people do. But here was the thing about that bathroom. I, I, we had it designed, the architect put it down on paper, then I took a picture of it and I posted it to one of my groups that I know about. And I said, listen, some of you have more experience with this than I do. Tell me if there's anything in this blueprint that I should be changing up to make it easier for you. And they told me to turn the toilet around. <laughs> I'm like, great, that's exactly what I needed to know. So just a super easy fix. And, and they're like, yep, you're good to go now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that's it. I think the biggest gift that you can give yourself is two things. Not being afraid to ask questions, right? 
And also just the general curiosity. If this was myself, or if this was somebody I love, what can I do to make it better for them? I guess that's it. Kelly, I think that's beautiful. And that's a, a perfect way to end because today you've been so informative, but more so just me learning from you, you have been so inspiring today. And I think you have that energy that just radiates so well for me that hopefully it inspires other business owners to make a difference and simply just be better. So I, I thank you for sharing today. I encourage people to reach out and I look forward to visiting your tap room and seeing what you've created for the I community. I can't wait till you walk in that door. I can't <laughs> wait as well. And if, if it happens to be like that one golden window of two hours where I'm not here, tell my staff to call me. <laughs> We're going to plan it, Kelly. We're going to plan it in advance. So thank you All again right. for sharing today. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you Cheers. for having me, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Thank this you. has been a blast. Bye.